The Start On Demand. On demand. Here's a headline at CJOB.com. My mom still had a lot of life to live. Winnipeg nurse shares story of mother's coronavirus death. Here's another headline. Yes, many COVID patients have underlying conditions, but that shouldn't be the focus. Both of those headlines were part of our focus this morning, along with a story of another Winnipeg woman who talked to us about how she is waiting for her mother's COVID test results. Her mother is in a personal care home. We also spoke to Scott Young from the Planetarium to ask about that monolith they found in the desert in Utah. And Big Red, described as a raging inferno of regret. That got us chatting about gum. What's your favorite gum, or maybe your least favorite? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back from vacation next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 25th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb. Loren is back next week. We just heard Merrick Takash talking about Christmas trees in Jeff Braun's newscast. There, uh, GMAC. Do you, okay, do you, I imagine you put up a Christmas tree. Have you done it yet? Uh, it's it's assembled. It's not yet decorated. So it's in place. All the uh, <laughs> branches have been separated. We have an artificial Christmas tree. So it's made with wire and metal and all that sort of uh, fine material. So it's ready for decoration. Well, it's ready for lights and then decorations. Okay. Um, actually, that reminds me. So when I uh, had a house, my uh, then fiance had this awesome artificial Christmas tree, but it was gigantic and it was not something that when you was one of those things where once you disassemble it you can sort of tuck it into a nice little package Uh uh because each branch was like two or three feet long and uh you know like (laughs) the the circumference of each branch was like almost six inches i guess wow it was a big tree and it looked great but <laughs> storing it, oh, putting it away, turned out to be an issue. Like when we first moved in together, we uh, she had a storage locker, and uh, that I was hoping to take advantage of. But her Christmas tree took up the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have essentially a, a body bag on wheels for this thing, and because uh, <laughs> the box, we've had this tree for about fifteen years, and I was a real tree guy growing up. In fact. Um, if we have uh, one minute here, I'll tell you and, and share the story of the year my dad bought an artificial Christmas tree and started assembling it. And my mom was sitting on the couch and she looked at me. She goes, that's it. Let's go. We're going to get a tree. And by the time we got home, my dad had that tree back in the box and ready to go back to the store. But it was inevitably the last Christmas that my parents were married. Oh, <laughs> so really? I often wonder <laughs> if the artificial Christmas tree insistence by my dad was the last straw. <laughs> so we, I have an artificial tree now, and we've had the same one, but the box just over years, you just, the tree got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. Pack it as tight. So we bought this giant bag. It's got to be seven feet tall and it's got wheels on it. 
and uh, it fits in there quite nicely. So I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of trying to get it back to where it ought to be for safe storage because they can take a ton of space. Yeah, and it got to the point where when I, the last time I took it apart, I would, like we were keeping it in the shed, and I would just I took the I took the branches off, and I just was hawking them into the shed. I felt really <laughs> bad about that. Uh, hopefully, the, the tree wasn't damaged. But I too we we had uh, real trees for the most part when I was growing up. And eventually, I think it was the same sort of situation. It was my dad who insisted, okay, we got to do an artificial tree. Because it is I, the real tree, I don't think you can beat the no. real tree experience. The, no. the, that random smell that it gives mm-hmm. off, um, the, it's just so refreshing. And it's so nice to walk into a room and have that smell. But it is there's maintenance, and it's a pain, especially if you get a bad tree. Like if we bought one tree I, that turned out to be dead on arrival. And... Um, it was, uh, I guess in hindsight, it was a fire hazard. Nothing happened, but it was so dry and the needles were so sharp. We couldn't even vacuum them after because the needles were they were that sharp. It would have, they would have destroyed the vacuum. Well, it's kind of funny. The other day we were putting together the tree and Brendan goes, Dad, I thought the reason people got artificial trees is so you don't have to clean up the needles. I say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he looks, he points to the, he goes, points to the carpet and he goes, Stop, there's still stuff on the floor here. This artificial tree is shedding stuff. I go, I know. Talk to your mom about it. <laughs> she insists we have this artificial tree, which I really do like. It looks beautiful when it's uh, when it's decorated. But every, every once in a while, I pull the old uh, from my childhood thing and I'll say, you know, when I was growing up, we had a real tree and the guilt, it doesn't work. After 15 years of marriage, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Is there a way to, to duplicate that smell without getting the tree? Like, are there <laughs> Christmas tree scented candles or, or uh, like just go, axe just, sprays or just something? Just go to the, uh, go to the uh, car wash and get one of those <laughs> Christmas tree deodorizers that you hang on the rear view mirror. That might work. <laughs> if you happen to know... Let us know at 204-780-6868 because even if I wanted to go through the work of having a real tree, I can't. I'm not simply not allowed in my apartment building because of the fire hazard oh, situation. Oh, of course. Of and, course. Yes, and, and the, no, of course I have no problem with that policy. I completely understand why because it is scary. When you see Christmas trees go up in flames. Oh, yes. I remember watching, I think it was, it might have been Dragon's Den where somebody had come up with, uh, it was like this, like it was basically an umbrella that you would put over top of a tree. And it was, it actually was meant to look like an ornament, but it was essentially like a, a, a shower. Saw that episode. Yeah. It was yes. where it would put the, basically the, a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yes. Because the, it takes all of two Wasn't seconds. it in the form of an angel? I think so. Yeah. yeah right? It was the, the tree topper. It was meant to be the tree topper. And then if you had a problem at, would expel basically like a fire extinguisher, some sort of fire retardant. Yeah, that 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 brilliant idea. I don't know if it ever got off the ground or not. Yeah. So, uh, but in the meantime, let us know about the smell. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. By the way, did you see what's happening in Labrador? They got seventy one centimeters of snow on Monday and Tuesday. I knew they were shutting down the bubble. Like they were removing themselves from the Atlantic bubble, but I didn't realize they were physically putting up a barrier. <laughs> To uh, prevent anyone from getting in or out, <laughs> seventy-one centimeters. Yeah, Holy in twenty, they got more snow in one day than some parts of Western Canada see all year. Holy smokes! 
That's insane. So I just like to throw those things like that out there just in case you're ever wondering, yeah, I wish the weather was was better. Mm-hmm. Could be a lot worse. And the forecast for the next few days actually bad, looks pretty eh? good. Yeah. We'll get full details on that in a moment. Also a reminder, the total floor and qualifier coming up at 715. We'll be looking for call number nine, so be ready to call 204-780-6868. And by the way, what is this thing that they found in Utah? Uh, uh, I have no idea. It's a, like a giant 10-foot mirrored, it's not an obelisk. Uh, they're calling it a monolith. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I don't know. We got to try and find out what it is. Is it? Do they, are they not calling it an obelisk? Because of, is that like a trademark issue with the movie? I don't know. Just because of the sh- shape. Yeah. Is an obelisk sort of somewhat slanted? Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's right. Okay. I'm just asking. I, I don't, don't know, know for sure. <laughs> I don't either. That sounds just, like something I would have learned in school and yes. then promptly forgot. Oh, I would agree with you. Did we accomplish anything in this first seven minutes of the show? Just warming up, man. Okay, I like it. I, I, I have zero complaints. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> That's the, I like, just imagine you're sitting with a, the, the cup of coffee and you're just getting a slow start to your day. Or a Slurpee, as the case may be this morning. And thank you very much, GMAC. I wasn't fishing for that. Neither of us drink coffee. Greg likes the steeped tea. If I have anything in the morning, it's a gigantic Slurpee. So I appreciate that, Greg. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. She is back on Monday, and as often happens here on the start, we throw out the question, hey, do you know? And at 204-780-6868, you do know. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable, isn't it, Brett? It is inevitable, as Agent Smith would say on The Matrix. I asked a question, is there a way to duplicate the smell of a real Christmas tree if you're not allowed to have a real Christmas tree, or maybe you just don't want a real Christmas tree because of the hassle. What did, what did we learn? Well, OMG, we got from one of our listeners. There are tons of Christmas-scented products, candles, oil sprays, etc. The type I like is a light bulb with a dish on top, and it melts a scented wax. My kids hate the smell, and I always un- <laughs> and they always unplug it, but I like them especially at Christmas. The whole house can smell like pine, spiced rum, Brett, Ooh. or gingerbread. What's not to love? And... Uh, an avalanche of texts uh, with regards to some of the other scented things that you can get. So thank you as always for just jumping into our conversations. We love that two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. If you have something to say and uh, just don't know the number, uh, join the party, won't you? Yeah, those wax warmers are great. One of my friends has one, and I remember just being so mystified by it. Like, what is that? Because I don't know anything about that stuff. You know, anytime I see a candle, I'm always I always think I should get like some candles because they they smell great and I find them relaxing and then I just never think to do it. I've got a plethora, (laughs) a plethora of candle holders if you're really interested in uh, some some ways to display some candles. I'll bring some stuff for you. Jackie had a friend who uh, was one of these, uh, would have these home parties. Okay. We've got stuff that has been in boxes since 
2002. Oh, wow. I can help you out. Okay. Yep. Thanks, man. And hey, by the way, question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question that went up yesterday afternoon, is the Christmas tree going up early this year? 32% say nope, same time as before. 24% say likely in the days ahead. 13% say, yep, already up. And 31% say, humbug. Hey, by the way, on the subject of humbug, mm-hmm. on Friday morning at 7.45, we have tracked down the guy who built the humbug sign. Not the Rinaldi. current uh, owner or keeper of the humbug sign, the, the the gentleman who actually built it originally? Yeah, he and his father. No uh, way. Built it, and, and they since uh, have handed it off to the caretaker of that building. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to get some in the inside scoop on the, the origin of the humbug sign. The, the person that has it now is like Jeff McWinnie, the keeper of the Grey Cup, <laughs> Winnipeg's own <laughs> keeper of the humbug sign. Well, I wonder if you have to wear white gloves to put the, uh, the put up the humbug <laughs> we'll sign. We'll have to find out. <laughs> okay, so listen, of course, we like to have some fun here on the start. It's a morning we want to get you into, into your day with a smile, but we also, of course, have to focus on some of the, the hard stuff out there, some of the serious stuff. And each day, for example, we bring you new numbers on cases, hospitalizations, and yes, deaths. But behind each number is a person with a story. And behind that person, loved ones who are impacted and mourning. Global's Marnie Blunt has the story of one Winnipeg woman and how COVID-19 has impacted her family. Jennifer Lambert remembers her mother as a remarkable woman, loving, dedicated, and an educator. Always um, one of those people that would take the time for a teachable moment with people. Her mother passed away this month after contracting COVID-19. She was 80 years old. It's not something you ever want to have to do, um, to say that you're ready to let your loved one go, um, that's pretty hard. You know, like, we're never ready, but it was time. Lambert has also tested positive for the virus. The thing that I found the hardest was not being able to just touch my mom's hand. Um, and had I known at the time that I was positive, I just would have said to hell with it and taken my glove off and touched my mom's hand. Lambert's father passed away in May. Although he didn't have COVID-19, she says the pandemic still impacted his health. She wants both her parents to be remembered for who they were. But my mom still had a lot of life left to live. I didn't want people to think that it was okay that just because she was 80, um, you know, that her life like that she would just be a statistic. She also says it's time for everyone to take this seriously. Yes, we want to see our loved ones. Yes, we want to get together for drinks with the girls. Yes, we want to let our kids get together. But what are we going to be left with if we don't get ourselves out of this dumpster fire that we're in right now? Marnie Blunt, Global News. The province announced 12 more deaths due to COVID-19 yesterday with the ages of those victims ranging from 60 to 90. Two are linked to outbreaks at hospitals in Winnipeg, while six were at personal care homes. 476 new cases were identified yesterday, 257 of those in the city of Winnipeg. The five-day test positivity rate is at 14.2%. There are 292 people in hospital, 47 of those are in intensive care. And Brett, I have to say that it really bothers me when people dismiss 
the passing, the death, the loss of somebody in our community because of their age or comorbidities or, uh, you know, uh, another underlying health condition uh, in plainer or simpler language that may have been associated a part of the life of the individuals that we've lost to COVID-19. And, and I think it, I, I think it undervalues uh, the lives of our of our community members, our friends, our families, our neighbors, people that we've never known or never met. And I really wish people would stop doing that. Oh, what was their, how old were they? Oh, did, were there any other underlying health conditions? And then you get the shrug of the shoulder virtually or otherwise. Um, you know what? I have lots of friends who have things that are, you know, that they live with every single day, whether it's asthma, diabetes, a heart condition. A very good friend of mine had a heart transplant almost 10 years ago. She really has to pay attention to what she's doing. And if she's not even 40 yet, if we lost her because of COVID-19, are we all going to shrug our shoulders? Oh, well, you know, well, she did have a heart transplant. No, no, we have to stop doing that, in, in, in my opinion. I want to thank Jen Lambert as well for sharing her story. Of course, our condolences go out to her uh, regarding both of her parents. And uh, I think it's important that she came forward to tell this story because it's an important reminder. I think maybe what's happened over the course of the last eight, nine months is it's easy to get caught. There have been so many numbers, right? We're blasted with numbers every Mm -hmm. day, case numbers, test positivity rates. How many active cases do we have? How many people are in hospital? How many people are in ICU? To the point where it can be, it's almost like the same effect as like when I start to look at any sort of numbers, you can kind of glaze over. And I think when that glazing effect happens, you lose sight of what is important. And as she pointed out, the quote, my mom still had a lot of life to live. Just because she was 80 doesn't mean that her life was going to end soon. And now, uh, because of COVID-19, it has. So it is important to put that human face, to give us that human reminder that it's not just thousands of case numbers. This is another life lost and another life that could have been saved if not for the spread of this virus. Yeah, and, and you know, I think... Uh it's human nature somewhat. We do it a little bit. I've mentioned this with regards to crime. We will listen for the geographical marker when there's a shooting or there's a murder in the city of Winnipeg and you get the coordinates, you get the address or the neighborhood and you go, hmm, yeah, that's a part of the city where we're used to that happening. And so it desensitizes us to that information. It separates us. I don't know if it makes us feel any better. 12 pages of obituaries in the Winnipeg Free Press on Saturday. It's usually three, four, or five pages of obituaries. That'll tell you all you need to know in my mind. Coming up at 7.37, we are going to hear from a daughter who shares her story as she waits for her mother's COVID test results. Up next, we want to switch gears and ask you the question, did you ever like Big Red? The way that somebody described this gum on Twitter was hilarious.
Mackling and McGarry, McNabb's away. She'll be back next week. We just heard in that last spot, by the way, for LaSalle Insurance, the word Instagram. Make sure you follow 680CJOB on Instagram. That's where we, that's our fun corner of the social media universe. (laughs) But we also do give you a heads up on what's coming up throughout the show and links to the stories that we are discussing. So we would love for you to follow us there. But also when it pertains to social media, I think it's safe to say that Greg's favorite pocket of that universe is Twitter. And yesterday, Greg, you found something really great about Big Red. Yeah, sometimes it's my favorite, and it's when I stumble upon things like this. There's an account, it's called Super 70s Sports on Twitter. It's a great uh, follow for guys, uh, probably guys and gals. Uh, <laughs> I sound like my Grammy now. The guys and gals uh, over uh, 45 or so because uh, it takes you back into your youth here. And here's they tweeted out a picture of Big Red. I think it was Wrigley's that made Big Red. Hey, want to turn your mouth into a raging inferno of regret? <laughs> that sounds awful. And it was awful for a lot of people, Big Red. It was a just a, a, a gum that, you know, you would have it offered to you and you just look at it and go, no thanks, I'll pass on that. But the, the, the tag says, that sounds awful, but of course I do. Give me a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss that part? <laughs> oh, we want to talk about your favorite gum, your favorite chewing gum, bubble gum, or maybe your least favorite gum. So we've rounded up the troops here. Jeff Fortier is here. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier, why don't we start with you? I'm not a big gum chewer, uh, but you, as a kid, I liked the Hubba Bubba tape. It'd be that oh. long strand of gum that would come all rolled up. That was nice. But uh, there was also this one time when I was riding my bike as a kid. And uh, you, you know how when you ride your bike and you go through water, you get that splash up your back? Yeah. Well, I guess one time I rode through some gum. Oh, no. And it went from my lower back all the way up to my neck. My shirt was just like, it was, it was stuck like right onto my shirt. I remember I cried. My brother laughed. It was, <laughs> it was very traumatic. That, that's awful. I know. So is the shirt a, a loss? I can't remember, but I just remember I was not happy. But who would be happy? That's just <laughs> and that, that's just gross. It's the worst. Like when you step on on gum or there, um, there's actually one of our colleagues, one of our older older colleagues who may or may not be named Tom Milroy. He like he used to leave pieces of gum uh, just wherever he was working. It'd be a piece of gum sitting on the desk beside me, and I think, oh, Tom was here. So pre-chewed for your enjoyment. <laughs> oh. uh, Kelly Moore, what about you? Gum. Best of all, Hubba Bubba lets you blow great big bubbles <laughs> that won't stick to your face. <laughs> big bubbles, no troubles. <laughs> when I used to run out of block tape, to put my hockey notes up on the sides of walls in uh, uh, pre- hockey press boxes, uh, a, a, a well chewed piece of hubba bubba worked uh, as well. So, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it didn't, and it didn't take the paint off the wall either, which was really good. That's ingenious, uh, Bron. What about you? I got to say, I fall on the side of the ledger that uh, just can't stand gum. I, I find it. Beyond disgusting, it triggers the gag reflex in me just watching somebody chew it. And even just us talking about it now is just, I was, I was very hungry. I was about to have breakfast, and now I, I think I'm just going to be sick. I just, it's so gross. 
Uh, you know what? Oh. I was anticipating grumpy Jeff on this one, but that is even better. I'm sorry uh, you're, you're not, that you might be sick. That's awful, oh, of course. Yuck. Uh, Greg, what about you? <laughs> Jeff, you continue to amaze me. The different ways that you can express your disgust for food is uh, it seems to be endless. So thank you for that. Don't uh, take this personally, but I'm hanging up the line now. I will not listen to the rest of this conversation. <laughs> A newscast coming up in five minutes. All right. right. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Go gather yourself. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jeff Braun, I love you like a brother. Hey, uh, I was going to say Bubblicious because didn't Bubblicious have that liquid center, that squirt center? But you know what? It's, It's the big league chew. And it's even more my favorite in retrospect based on watching one of my favorite Netflix uh, movies, it's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's about Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's dad, owned a baseball team in Portland back in the early 1970s. They were all off-casts, outcasts of baseball people that, that never, ever should have been able to play pro baseball. Three of the guys on that team invented the big league chew so that's, was that the shredded gum that that's came the, in the shredded package? gum in the pack. Yeah. It, it mimicked uh, chewing tobacco, I guess, to yes. a certain extent, and uh, that was uh, that was where that originated. So I love the big league chew. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. In our next segment, your next chance to qualify for the Total Flooring Makeover. $5,000 grand prize. We're giving it away on Monday on the start, so you only have a handful of chances left to qualify with us, with Hal Anderson Afternoons between 1 and 4, and on the news with Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham between 4 and 7. So be ready to call 204-780-6868. Before we bring you a story from Global's Amber McGookin, we've been asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us about gum. Do you have a favorite gum? Or maybe you have a most hated gum. What are we getting so far, Greg? Wow, what a long list of text messages here. Jen says, when my kids were little, they loved mint gum, but I had to pre-chew, quote, the hot out <laughs> before giving it to them. So only a mom would do that. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could do that for okay. my kids. And Jennifer with a what I would consider a controversial take because thrills inevitably gets brought up when you're talking about gum. Favorite gum for me? You either love it or hate it, but I just can't get enough of thrills. The gum that tastes like soap and isn't ashamed to admit it. Wow. Well, that's funny because we had someone else tell us almost exactly the same thing. They, they texted saying, bleh, thrills, gum, uh, Nothing like chewing on a piece of soap. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess that works for some people because uh, I would suggest just like the Big Red, for as much as you hated it, you chewed it more than once. Should we read Gord's text here before we move on? Yeah, just as long as Jeff Braun's not listening to Cru- this. Gru- cruising down the road on my BMX in the 80s with half a pack of hubba bubba in my mouth, blowing monster bubbles. Drove through one of those swarms of gnats that completely covered a bubble. Oh, no. Sucked that baby and not thinking and took a minute to realize I was chewing a mouthful of bugs. Oh, my gosh. Ah! It's like the spider eggs in bubble yum. <laughs> but to this day, hubba bubba is my gum of choice. Gord, that's a wonderful picture you just painted. A horrifying picture, but wow. <laughs> Do you remember that urban legend about the spider eggs in the bubble yum? 
That was uh, that was a thing back in the day. Anyway, keep those texts coming, 780-6868. We all know COVID-19 can be especially dangerous for those with underlying health conditions, but many of those conditions are common. For people hospitalized in Manitoba, 40% have diabetes, 70% have hypertension, and more than 30% have lung issues like asthma. Global's Amber Magookan takes a look at the stress the pandemic has brought these people who would normally be living healthy lives. I'm 33, a young mother of three, and if something did happen to me, I don't really know what the outcome would be because of my asthma. Haley Coleman has lived with asthma her whole life. Seeing the rising number of COVID-19 cases in Manitoba has been stressful, knowing the impact to her body might be worse because of her health condition. I can't go out in public and I can't see people because of it is just, um, it's a lot to handle mentally. And the fact that there's a lot of community members that don't even really consider asthma to be that detrimental with this virus is upsetting. Coleman is like one in five Manitobans who live with lung conditions like asthma, leaving so many vulnerable to major complications. Uh, we know people who have COVID who had um, a severe underlying medical conditions, but again, uh, their uh, disease um, uh, natural history it was one thing, COVID altered that. COVID uh, in many of these cases caused a you know, severe outcome, a death much earlier than the natural history of that, uh, of that condition they were suffering uh, uh, was, uh, was going to. And these are people, as others have said, who would have lo- lived longer lives, more full lives. We know, you know children may have asthma or pre-existing condition at their whole life ahead of them. So the fact that uh, COVID comes and steals that doesn't diminish the fact that the, that life is now gone. Those with underlying health conditions want people to follow public health orders and that those actions may save a life. Amber McGookin, Global News. Now look, asthma is no joke. I can empathize with those who suffer from asthma or asthma symptoms because I remember back in uh, 2008, 2009-ish, uh, I was uh, seeing somebody who had a cat and I'm allergic to cats, of course, and uh, I was getting over cold and the cold and allergies seemed to combine forces um, to the point where I could barely breathe. Like I remember going for a walk to try to walk it off. I thought maybe some fresh air would help get me more air into my lungs. I ended up taking this really long, hot shower and it just kept getting worse to the point where I could barely breathe. And finally, my girlfriend took me to the hospital, to St. Boniface Emergency. And just the walk up that inclined entrance, I had to stop and I had to lean against the wall and uh, I started crying because I was scared. I, I thought I was going to die. I didn't understand what was happening to me. So thankfully they got me in fairly quickly and the nurse gave me a shot of Ventolin. That's that blue puffer. Mm-hmm. And immediately it gave me relief. Turns out I had asthmatic bronchitis. So it was scary. And even now, if I'm around cats too long, it will clog up my chest and lungs to the point where I need that puffer. So I too am leery about how COVID could affect me with my allergies and asthma symptom history. So it's just one of many complications during this pandemic. Yeah, and I think so many of us, uh, if we get honest about it, have those things in the back of our head or maybe right at front of mind that either for yourself, someone that you care about, maybe it's your child or your parent or, or your husband or your wife, 
that they have something. I have never smoked a day in my life. I've never had a cigarette. But about 10 years ago, I got bronchitis and I got told you're going to be susceptible to it now. So I've been thinking in the back of my mind when this first came out, Brett, just like you, I couldn't help but think about the first time I had a pneumonia with bronchitis and how scary it was. And then to imagine people that are living like that for three, four, five weeks having to be on a ventilator because I got relief like you did from some Ventolin within hours of the, you know, the first day that I woke up with the symptoms. I couldn't imagine having to deal with that for days or weeks on end. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week, coming up at 8.37. It's Wednesday, which means our weekly visit with the one, the only, Hal Anderson. And then that conversation will be followed by one with Scott Young from the Planetarium, because we want to know what is that thing they found in Utah, the monolith. And then at 9.05, we're going to ask somebody, so you opened a business in the middle of a pandemic, Greg, what's that all about? Yeah, well, it's, it's actually a daughter of a very good friend of mine and uh, an innovative business to be sure. I uh, spoke to Leah earlier in the week and I said, hey, you got to come on the on the air and I'm just going to ask you, what what do you think? And she says she's working on her answer. So <laughs> we'll see what she comes up with at 9.05. Our next guest is beyond concerned for the health and safety of her mother. Lisa Streifler's mother is a resident at one of our city's personal care homes. Lisa's mom has been tested for COVID-19 twice in the past several days. As of last evening, when Lisa joined Julie and Richard on the news, she was waiting for those latest test results. As we know, Brett, personal care homes are, a great, to a great extent, ground zero for the coronavirus in Manitoba. In far too many places around the world, the infection rate of residents of personal care homes is staggering. At the Simkin Center, where Lisa's mother lives, five people have died with the virus in the past four weeks. Not unlike many Manitobans, Lisa has her own underlying health conditions, which make her more susceptible to the effects of COVID-19. Lisa Streifler joins us on the start now. And uh, Lisa, thanks for uh, doing this about 14 hours since we checked in with you on the news last night. How is your stress level this morning and how is your mom? Um, My stress level's high, very high. I haven't heard anything about my mom yet, um, but I'm very worried, of course, um, because if she were to get the virus, um, you know, she's very weak, and uh, I I would be very worried about the outcome. How do you feel when people downplay the age of a COVID-19 victim or the fact that they had underlying conditions? I feel furious. Uh, because the age has nothing to do with it. Um, You know, everybody has uh, worth in this society, and it doesn't matter what age you are. And when you love someone, you you want them to be with you. Um, To say that elderly people, you know, are, you know, not worthwhile citizens and, you know, they're going to die anyway soon um, is a ridiculous uh, way to think because uh, these people uh, have served our 
province, um, our city, for uh, our country, for their whole lives, and they deserve to have um, the end of their life be safe and uh, as um, as comfortable as possible. It feels very dismissive at times. I think when you when you get a virtual shrug of the shoulders, uh, and maybe it's interpretation, but I, I believe it is a genuine feeling that people get when they go through the COVID-19 release or when they when they see Dr. Rusin sharing the statistics every morning, they look for reasons to dis- either dismiss or make themselves feel better about the, the, the critical situation we're in. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, the age of a person doesn't make a difference at all. Um, you know, it's uh, maybe tragic when a 20-year-old dies, but uh, it's tragic to lose uh, all these elderly people. Um, and to have them die alone, too, that's another horrible mm. thing. Not seeing their families and their families not being able to be with them at the end of their lives is just uh, unconscionable. Lisa, right now, I think a lot of us are looking for answers to the question, how did we get here? But is the more important question, how do we get through this? Yeah, I think how we got here is pretty obvious now that um, staff who are um, asymptomatic are spreading the virus in personal care homes. It's very clear. And um, we need to have on-site testing because the staff now, the way it is right now, are working when they have when they don't have symptoms, but they are carrying the virus and they're spreading it. And then they go and have to wait like anybody else to get tested. Then it takes days to get the results back. And so they're not at work. And so they're short-staffed at personal care homes or other staff are coming in who are working at multiple homes now, not just one, and are spreading the virus through multiple homes. And it's it's just a disaster. It sounds as though the solution to this problem is making the situation itself worse. When you reached out, to us, Lisa, you called the Simkin Center where your mom is a well-run home. What makes it well-run in your eyes? Uh, they have excellent staff. Uh, the people that are, are running it on their um, leadership team are, are terrific. They were prepared uh, for what was uh, going to happen, as prepared as they can be. I mean, they're, um, they always they have great recreation programs. They're just an excellent facility. They have... Um, the single rooms with ensuite bathrooms, um, so they're they're fantastic. Except they can only do so much because with the money that they're given and the resources that they're given. Um, so they haven't received an increase in um, in the money that the government um, gives them for ten years. They have received no money for PPE, and they're spending thousands, tens of thousands on PPE and their staff levels have always been lower than what they would like them to and what they need them to be. Looking back is valuable to see where the missteps were. In your opinion, what were we doing before that we could be doing now? Um, before we, sorry, could you repeat that question? I, I'm not sure what you're, what you're getting at. Uh, well, in terms of the, how we got here in terms of missteps, uh, the things that we weren't doing before, like what could we be doing now? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, First of all, there was the staffing was never at the right level. So the staffing should have been raised to to the correct level much earlier. Uh, There should have been preparation in terms of there was $25 million 
spent on outdoor visitation shelters for the winter. And obviously those are built and they're not going to be able to be used because that's the last thing on the list right now when people are dying. Um, and there's no staff to uh, to take care of that kind of an operation anyway. So that money should have been put into more staffing all summer long when numbers were low, this could have been organized, should have been put into uh, PPE, uh, supplying PPE. But I guess the most important thing is that on-site testing should have been arranged over the summer. They should have realized that staff need to be tested, and this goes for hospitals as well, um, immediately. And so I know there's more of a cost to that, or, or they have to secure the, um, the test, but that should have been done so that, that this can be nipped in the bud, so that staff, as in Ontario, would be tested every week, so they would know if they had uh, the virus or not, because now they're working not knowing they have the virus and spreading it. All right, Lisa Streifler joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for the time, Lisa. We appreciate the update. Thanks for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is away. She'll be back next week. In case you're just tuning in, we had a conversation last hour out this time about something that Greg found on Twitter on an account called Super 70s Sports. And on this tweet, they asked the question, Hey, want to turn your mouth into a raging inferno of regret? Well, that sounds awful, but of course I do. Give me a stick. (laughs) And that's the stick of Big Red. The gum, which I always hated, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we're asking you at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $20 gift card. What's your favorite gum or perhaps your least favorite gum? Like, for example, Greg, do you remember, um, I think and this for me, this was in the 80s. You could buy trading cards and inside those packs of trading cards would come that pink strip <laughs> of gum. You betcha. Started with hockey cards back in the 60s and the 70s. Okay, yeah. I I seem to remember buying uh, Return of the Jedi cards. I remember Star Wars cards as well. You betcha, buddy. So I would get five or six packs of these cards, and I would open all the packs, and I would inevitably take all of the pieces of gum. Because the fl- like the flavor was great for all of like five seconds. If you didn't break your teeth on it, because <laughs> it was like a it was like a plank. It was so hard it would shatter. If you dropped it, it would shatter on impact with the table or the ground. So I end up end up with like five or six of these strips of gum in my mouth. I'd end up with essentially a baseball of this gum <laughs> oh, so in my face. So that was gross. But we've also had a bunch of people texting us about Bazooka Joe. Bazooka Talk Joe. Talk about hard gum. Mm-hmm. That you might as well just be eating a rock. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It had the little comics inside. Yeah, yeah and it was uh, like a rectangle shape. It looked like a little suitcase or something. Yeah. And I don't know why it had that groove in it. Is that so you should, could put some water on there maybe? Is that what we're supposed to do to soften it up? That's a, a great bit? question. <laughs> I, I, I have no answers, only questions. Maybe it's meant to be so like it gives you a spot to put your teeth in between to give your mouth some leverage or something as you try oh, to bite word. into the gum. Because once you got going, it was fine. But yeah, that was uh, there There are some gums out there that are dangerous to, to get started with. Now, what's this uh, the listener's asking about PK gum? Okay, thank you. One I've never, ever heard of. And we are calling on our listeners to, uh, to help us out here. Ever hear of PK gum? I grew up in Churchill. 
and we never had a lot of treats and couldn't afford them. But every once in a while, my dad would come home from work with a pack of this gum. It was minty, but it was packed like the chiclets the kids sell in Mexico, about six to eight in a package. I've never seen it anywhere since. This is like 55 or so years ago. Now, the chiclets in Mexico, uh, man, how much gum can you buy in a week? You buy as much as you can, right, from the little kids. And chiclets, of course, uh, were delicious, my Grammy used to give us chiclets. Uh, you could get them in the in the cardboard package, right? They had, what, about 12 in a pack? Yeah. And you had to shake it out because it just had the one little corner that would open. Or you'd get the two-pack at Halloween. But this PK gum, 780-6868, if you've ever seen it, ever had it, know, know what became of it. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures right now of PK. It was uh, Wrigley's gum. And it looks like it's been, yeah, it's been around for quite a while. There are some... Really old pictures. I personally have no recollection of this gum. Now, that's not to say I never saw it. I just maybe never committed to it because when I was a kid, I always liked to have bubble gum. Mm-hmm. It would either be Hubba Bubba or Bubblicious. And occasionally I would I would succumb to the Bazooka Joe. And now when I buy gum, it's usually just dentine ice or Trident Splash or whatever. Just something to freshen up my breath a little bit. But Because I always sucked at blowing the bubbles and bubble gum. I always found that that you get same thing flavor for a couple of minutes and then you're just chewing on. You might as well be chewing rubber. Yeah. Well, uh, what was, Oh, I can't even say that. The same, you want some gum, chew my, you know, the fill in the blank. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Scott saying, and this is accurate. The sports cards or the return of the Jedi, star Wars cards, whatever were in those wax packs. Yep. More chewable than the gum. (laughs) I'd have to agree with that. Well, we had one listener, and I can't find it, but I believe they said when they grew up, they they made their own gum by chewing wheat? What? Was it? Yes, my favorite gum had no name and didn't come in a package. When I was a young boy, going back 50 years now, we would chew on dry wheat that we thrashed in our hand until it turned to gum. Only took about two minutes, and it was well worth it. Interesting. Oh, Thrills and Squirt had the liquid in the middle. It just came in now. And one of our listeners saying, double bubble, baby. Oh, yeah. Trident coffee gum, ah. the worst. Ah. You have gum so you don't have the coffee flavor in your mouth any longer. Isn't that part of the thing? It's a dig ass. I just can't believe how many texts we are getting on gum this morning at 204-780-6868. And we are... I understand, Greg, that we may have a bit of a controversy on uh, PK Gum. Yeah, PK Gum. We read the the text message about uh, one of our listeners who got the PK Gum growing up in Churchill. One of our listeners uh, sent me a text, a picture of the PK Gum. <laughs> Dennis says, or Denis says, I remember PK Gum, and it was very tasty. I haven't heard that name in years, if memory serves it tastes a little bit like root beer. Okay. Well, Diane says PK gum was horrible. <laughs> Tasted like soap. <laughs> so who do you believe, Diane or Denny? <laughs> Let us know your favorite gum, 204-780-6868, for a chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza, $20 gift card. We'll give that away next hour, just after 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've actually had listeners text us about this before, saying that living beyond Earth's atmosphere sounds kind of like a 
Pretty good option right about yeah, now. Well, doesn't it, though? We won't list our individual reasons or the obvious reasons now, but I, I, I agree with that. Did you ever, Brett, uh, dream of becoming an astronaut or at some point in your life uh, maybe exploring outer space in some way, shape, or form? Of course I did. Of course I did. And I actually related very heavily to uh, Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. He used to have, I think his character was called Spaceman Spiff. And I always had similar imaginary adventures. And on that note, Scott Young joins us now from the Manitoba Museum and Planetarium. Scott, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. And I love the Spaceman Spiff homage. He was one of my heroes as well. So I knew you would know that reference, which yeah. is why I was oh, yeah. comfortable in dropping that one. <laughs> so listen, we first got to ask you about uh, Elon Musk moving past Bill Gates as the second richest human on the planet earlier this week. What has his SpaceX team been up to? Well, you know, SpaceX is launching rockets like crazy. They sent up another 50 satellites yesterday with a, with a rocket launch for their Starlink internet uh, satellite constellation. They launched their, uh, a crew of four people up to the space station. I mean, he, he's really sort of pushing the boundaries of um, being able to, to go out there and, and do interesting things in space and explore space. And he's got all these crazy plans. He wants to take a million people to Mars to colonize it. It's like, well, if I got to pick the million, I'd be happy with that. But I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure that that's going to happen anytime soon. But, yeah, it's it's... Space is the next big frontier in terms of uh, business and commerce, as well as exploration and science. And it's not too surprising that, that folks with a lot of money that, that have the startup uh, to sort of get past that initial uh, development are, are jumping into it. Scott, I made the comment, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, NASA released that information about finding water on the moon or evidence of water on the moon. And I, I, I jokingly said, 60 years, we've been kind of neck deep in what's going on in the moon. We're finally figuring that out now. And here we are talking about going to Mars. I think maybe we might want to learn more about the moon uh, in, the, in the next few years before we go any further. But what's happening with the moon on November 30th? And if you want to comment on my crazy observation feel free yeah well yeah no i mean the moon is definitely the the place where we're going to learn everything we need to know about living and journeying to a farther place i mean the moon is a day away as opposed to seven months so definitely we're going to be going back to the moon uh before we get to mars and yeah there's still lots to learn um coming up on november 30th actually the moon will go into the shadow of the earth and we have what's called a lunar eclipse now, it's not the best lunar eclipse that we've seen. Uh, it's not a total one, so you don't get the sort of blood moon effect. You just get sort of shading on the moon, but it is cool to watch. And uh, unfortunately, it happens between 1 and 5 in the morning on the 30th of November. So if you don't want to stay up all night on a clear November night, uh, the planetarium is going to be live streaming some telescope stuff. And then, then in the morning, I'm going to do like a fast forward highlights reel that, uh, that people can see. So rather than staying outside for four hours, if you want, just join us uh, through the Manitoba Museum's uh, Facebook page and uh, and see the short version. We'll be able to check that out while we're on our way into work, Greg. So Yeah, I was going to say, what's the big yeah. deal about being up between 1 and 5 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we also have to ask you about this, Scott, uh, and in case you missed it, yeah, here's a story from CBS News. Public safety crew flying over southeastern Utah found an unusual monolith in a remote area of the state, a sleek metal structure embedded in the ground, at least 10 feet tall, and no one seems to know how it got there. What in the world is that thing in the Utah desert? Yeah, you know, it's this big metallic triangle thing. People are comparing it to the uh, the obelisks from uh, 2001, the movies there and stuff like that. Um, 
I expect it's some artist that is going to come forward, you know, six months from now saying, oh, yeah, that was me. Um, and just sort of capitalize on the mystery and the and the discovery. I've always thought, you know, we, we, we find these mysterious things. Archaeologists find things. How many of them are, are valid kinds of things? And how many of them were someone in that time just playing a joke or doing something that they thought, ha-ha, this will be funny in a thousand years? <laughs> well, now it doesn't take a thousand years to, to discover things because people are, you know, flying all over the place. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure we've got a, a really cool art installation that was designed to generate buzz. I hope it's not going to turn out to be like a, a marketing thing where, you know, it opens up and inside it's, it says Pepsi or something like oh, that. Oh, no. You never know. Yeah, you I guess know, you never right? know. Well, The Independent has been reporting this morning that this uh, monolith is uh, an homage to a dead minimalist sculptor. It's about 12 feet tall, and it's apparently the belief is that it's um, an homage to the late artist John McCracken. He lived in New Mexico before his death, and his work is uh, represented by the David Zwerner Gallery. And they're not even saying where this thing is in massive fears that people will converge on this place in the middle of nowhere in Utah. So I think we're getting closer to the bottom of this mystery. Yeah, I think so. And whether it's uh, an homage to that or just a, another art piece, I think it's this is the kind of story that I love because it's like, hey, what is that? It pulls you out of the, the daily grind of some of the more difficult issues we're facing and uses a different part of your brain and sort of gives you that, that mystery and sense of wonder. And uh, even if it turns out to just be an art installation, that's okay. This morning, we have a mystery and we're all thinking about it and that's cool. Scott Young from the Manitoba Museum and Planetarium joining us live on 680 CJOB. Pleasure as always, sir. Always good to talk to you guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb is back next week, and it is time to give away a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And this is based on a tweet that Greg found yesterday the account is Super 70s Sports, and it's a picture of Big Red Gum. And it says, hey, want to turn your mouth into a raging inferno of regret? That sounds awful, but of course I do. Give me a stick. <laughs> so that got us chatting about gum this morning. And uh, it's been a super fun conversation at 204-780-6868. Lots of pictures of thrills. A lot of people enjoy that. We had a chat about PK gum with some people saying it was great. It tastes like root beer. Other people saying it was awful. It tasted like soap. And, uh, yeah, we had people reminiscing about Bazooka Joe, which was just rock hard. The terrible gum in the hockey cards and the baseball cards and the Star Wars cards. Yeah. They were absolutely terrible. The, the gum tape, bubblicious, bubble yum. Hubba bubba. How about gator gum? Someone reminded me about gator gum. Yeah. It was supposed to quench your thirst. I don't know yeah. if it really ever did that, but that was the prov- uh, promise. And, of course, this uh, PK gum fiasco. Uh, one of our listeners saying, I remember fruit stripe gum and those little fabric sacks of gold nuggets gum. And I'd forgotten all about those, but our friend Will Penner at Mathopoly on Twitter tweeted at both of us a picture of the gold mine, the nugget bubble gum, hands down the worst, he says. So there was that. And one of our listeners said, remember the screwball ice cream with the bubble gum at the bottom of the ice cream? Always a treat. So, so many so many different gums that you brought up uh, over the last three and a half hours or so. Oh, I wonder how if that gum was at the bottom 
of the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. If I think was, that was a thing. If it was like infused with the flavor, if it was extra cold. Yeah, I don't remember that. Our winner, though, we read this a little earlier this morning, but if you're just tuning in, this paints just such a... It's both horrific, but also just wonderful. And this comes from Gord, who says, Cruising down the road on my BMX in the 80s with half a pack of hubba bubba in my mouth blowing monster bubbles. Well, I drove through one of those swarms of gnats that completely covered the bubble. And I sucked that baby in, not thinking. And it took me a minute to realize I was chewing a mouthful of bugs. Oh, <laughs> Gord. I'm so sorry to hear that. But he says to this day, Hubba Bubba remains my gum of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. How about that? Thanks, Gord. Great story. Well told. You. Lots of you sent some really good text messages, but the color, the flavor, it's like we were on that BMX with Gord with that incredible story, painted a radio picture, as Richard Cloutier would say. So we will be in touch, Gord, to get your information. $20 gift card for Santa Lucia shall be forthcoming. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week. And Greg, we have something special happening on 680 CJOB in just two days' time. 27th, hard to believe that November's almost over. The Vicar Goes Virtual, Radiothon of Hope and Healing. It's presented by the Vicar Automotive Group right here on 680 CJOB, starting at 9 a.m., running through until 6 p.m. And the legendary Dr. Grant Pierce and the incomparable Larry Vicar join us now live on 680 CJOB. And Larry... Thank you so much for what you've been doing to make this Radiothon an absolute smashing success year after year. What began your relationship with the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation? Well, first thing, Brett and uh, Greg, good morning. And by the way, uh, ABC gum was my favorite gum that I (laughs) thought of after being chewed gum, okay? It's not a very good thing to talk in a time of COVID, okay? But that's my gum addition to what your discussion was this morning. Uh, Thank you, Larry. ABC gum. Yeah, after being chewed gum. You know, the (laughs) gum you put beside you on your desk when the teacher comes along, and then you wish to uh, put it back in your mouth after the teacher leaves, okay, your desk. You guys were probably great students, and you didn't do this, but that was mine, ABC gum. I tell my grandchildren about that, and they, they think it's revolting, and probably most of your listeners do too, but... That's my addition to PK and all that discussion this morning. <laughs> Thank great. you very much for g- giving us this time this morning, uh, Dr. Pierce and myself. Uh, I've been involved with St. Boniface for years. I sit on the uh, foundation board. It's a wonderful institution, really. Uh, affects the lives of so many in Manitoba and Winnipeg. And, you know, these days with COVID and the, the, this, the uncertainty and the concerns that are in the air, and uh, all of us, the health, the financial concerns, uh, a place like St. Boniface Hospital even is more important than ever, uh, as the health care needs are, are, are more eminent than ever. Dr. Grant Pierce, good morning, my friend. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to connect with you, and I know this is the first time I'm mentioning this on air, but here it goes. Just hang tight for a sec here, uh, Grant. After 15 years as Executive Director of Research, Dr. Pierce will be stepping down on New Year's Eve 2020. 
Now, I could read all the official stuff they typed up for me to say about you and all this news, uh, Dr. Pierce. Just let me say this. Your impact on medical research at St. B in Winnipeg and Manitoba and quite frankly around the world is something I hope we will understand at some point in time how impactful it's been. What you've done putting Winnipeg on the world research map is a, simply a testament to your vision and your commitment to get things done. So thank you for all you've done for the greater good, Dr. Pierce. Well, thank you very much, Greg. I didn't expect that. I thought I was going to talk about juicy fruit gum, and uh, you can do that. I, I used to I used to split a uh, stick of gum with my father uh, after every meal. We wouldn't get a whole stick, just half a stick of juicy fruit gum. But thank you very much for your comments. You're very kind. Well, you know, uh, you're a very special person to me and special to the research community. And uh, Larry would probably echo those uh, sentiments. But what you've done over the 30-plus years at the St. Boniface Research Centre, now the Albertson uh, Research Centre, has been and would be impossible without the support of the community. And that was from day one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if the garbage man doesn't pick up the garbage in a neighborhood when he's supposed to, uh, there are all sorts of phone calls and complaints within hours. But if we don't do research, uh, really nobody knows, at least in normal times. But today I think everyone understands the importance of health research. I think it's safe to say that because if we don't find a vaccine and fast, this country, the world, um, is in financial and social collapse. Research is the, is the lifeline for that. It's that important. And it's not just about COVID-19. Ask anyone with Alzheimer's, heart failure, stroke, cancer, diabetes, the list goes on and on. Research is just as critical for them, too. And that's what we do at St. B. And it's the donations through uh, initiatives like Larry's doing. He's, he's absolutely incredible doing this year after year. They support the projects and the infrastructure that keeps our, our research active and allows us to fight these challenges for everyone, uh, not just today, but for generations to come. So uh, it's extremely important. Dr. Pierce, how is the Radiothon going to work this year? Because we're all used to being in the Everett atrium with our guests to share amazing stories, but can't be on site this year. No, Larry would know better than I. Of course, uh, Larry normally takes flowers around uh, to to patients in the hospital, and, and that's not allowed this year. Uh, so that's unfortunate. I know, Larry, you you love doing that. That's one of the bright points, certainly both for the patients and for the staff. Uh, safe we supply, safely so we supply that. But this year they're supplying uh, actually wrapped cookies that will be given to every patient and every person walking out of the hospital as a as a bright goodbye for. Uh, for for the visit and as as a thank you from Safeway Sobe. So we're still having this. In spite of the fact it's virtual, certainly we would like to thank CGOB and the sister stations, uh, Peggy and uh, and, uh, 97. The fact is uh, you're making it possible for us to have this, to raise the necessary funds for the uh, the work that's continued, not only the research center, but certainly I echo your words a moment ago, Greg, about Dr. Grant Pierce, the research that's done and the uh, discoveries that are done at the research center at St. Boniface 
are second to none, certainly uh, in this part of Canada. And we have a, a debt of gratitude to, to Dr. Pierce and his colleagues. Uh, I've been there many, many times. I've seen the work in the labs. And while I don't understand most of it, I know uh, the results are, are effective. But our, our radiothon this year uh, it is different, and um, we uh, we still you're going to be interviewing the grateful patients. You're going to be interviewing uh, staff and others that make it happen. And certainly, you know, we talk about essential workers, essential frontline people, in long long term care facilities as well as hospitals. Well, here's a hospital that has over 4,000 of these people, uh, full and part-time, that uh, serve Manitobans day in, day out. I think, you know, Larry, you're absolutely correct. I think what people may not realize is that you're very generous with your compliments, but we can't do what we do without the support of people like Larry and the donors who donate to, to research and to clinical care at St. Boniface. That those donations form the uh, the basis for what we do here, and without the donations and without Larry's telethon, uh, radiothon, it, it it just can't it just can't occur. So it's extremely important, and and I think as I said before, I think in these times everyone can appreciate the importance of the research. Uh, everywhere across the world. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that in a moment, uh, Grant, uh, just this whole notion of what research, uh, the role it's going to play in us getting through this pandemic. But I want to give out the website, stbhf.ca, and then you can click on the uh, Vicar Radiothon, the Vicar Goes Virtual Vicar uh, sponsored Radiothon of Hope and Healing in support of St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. You can go there. You can donate online. You can also give the foundation a telephone call right now if you'd like, 204-237-7647. There's also a Facebook page that you can find. It's at Facebook and look up STBHF and also on Twitter. But in terms of the pandemic and research and science, as we hear about about three or four different vaccines that are on the precipice of being offered, at least in a limited fashion, Grant. This seems like uh, breaking a, a land speed record uh, with with less than a year from the inception and, and learning about COVID-19 to now uh, uh, possibly a vaccine uh, being ready for distribution. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, there's no question of that. Um, I don't think people can appreciate how much work has to go into this. And then even after, even after you've discovered the vaccine, created the vaccine, the testing that goes into it, uh, Dr. Bram Ramjuan here, who is director of uh, the, the clinical research that goes on here at St. Boniface Hospital, is actually part of a regulatory committee that looks at Pretty well every one of the vaccines that are being made here definitely in North America, but across the world too. And uh, he's aware of the intense scrutiny that takes place. Some people are very concerned about whether these are safe when they come out. Well, the ones that have gone through the FDA, Health Canada regulatory uh, aspects, it takes a long time. And lots, lots of, uh, lots of, uh, fortunately, finances to support them, but lots of scrutiny so, so that we are absolutely sure they are safe and they are effective. 
And so it'll still be a significant amount of time before those vaccines are ready for, for uh, you know, primetime use. But uh, it, it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of work. And uh, you can see why um, we're investing so much time and effort in this, because it's absolutely essential for all of us to get back to a normal life. Dr. Grant Pierce joining us live on 680 CJOB, Executive Director of Research, St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, and Larry Vicker joining us as well because it is the Vicker Goes Virtual St. Boniface Hospital Foundation Radiothon of Hope and Healing presented by the Vicker Automotive Group right here on 680 CJOB this Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Dr. Pierce, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much for all the time and uh, supporting us in this effort. And Larry, thank you very much as well. And, and you're certainly welcome. And I thank my team members as well for always being part of this. And uh, uh, let's have a very successful day and make our target. With the help of Manitobans, we'll do just that. And the website, once again, is stbhf.ca. The 2020 Radiothon of Hope and Healing. Vicker Goes Virtual Radiothon of Open Healing, presented by the Vicker Automotive Group, right here on 680 CJOB from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. as well. Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1 will be airing, airing the Radiothon from noon until 6, and you can make a donation there. You can also call right now to donate at 204-237-7647. That's 237-7647. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.